Good morning. Good morning. Uh, this week's scripture is from Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16, and Matthew 25, 31 through 46. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land and they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleep and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And now to Matthew. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are Blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in, or needed clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. 
I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger in need of clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the right just to eternal life. May God bless the reading and hearing of the word. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody today? Great. Good. Cold. Full. Full. Yeah. Well, I think my scale wasn't looking for you. So. Oh, good. Good. Well, I didn't bring a turkey today. Oh, man. <laughs> I brought something even better. I brought a clam. <laughs> Yay! It's like that imperial butter, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I brought a crown because today is Christ the King Sunday, right? So what kind of thing does a king do? Order people out. Order people around. He takes care of his people. He's supposed to. Well, sometimes take care of the people. Sometimes they can be nice. They let me have the taxes. Oh, knights. They have, kings have knights. They can be a leader. They can be a leader. <laughs> Certain ones. Oh, sometimes kings are knights. Oh, they cut people's heads off. Ooh. Oh, yeah, well, sometimes they do that. They have to keep order, right? They have to keep things in line. They speak to foreign dignitaries. They speak to foreign dignitaries. Oh, hold on. Do the wobble dance in the back. Say it again, Haiti. So they wear a crown, right? And they wear fancy clothes, and people wait on them. I, I heard somewhere that King Charles has someone that measures exactly one inch of toothpaste on his toothbrush for him every time he brushes his teeth. Really? That's a lot of toothpaste. That's a lot of toothpaste. One inch of toothpaste. It says to put a pea-sized amount. But he had, well, you know, he has a big smile, right? He's got to keep his teeth clean. <laughs> But kings do a lot of things. However, do kings ever need something like this? Can you imagine a king with a crown? Can you imagine King Charles with a crown in his royal robes running around with one of these? You know what this is for, right? Keeping kids in line? <laughs> It's a shepherd's crook, and it's for keeping sheep in line. So if the sheep gets too far over, you can reach down and kind of catch them with the hook, and the sheep should hopefully fit in there. Um, or at least you can guide the sheep with it. Um, 
Can you imagine King Charles or any king in his crown, in his robe, running after sheep in a muddy pasture? <laughs> it's a funny vision, isn't it? It's kind of crazy. Oh, the black one, okay. Oh, that's right. When a sheep gets lost, the shepherd has to go out and find the sheep and bring it back. And sometimes that means they have to climb up rocks or down into valleys, climb through bushes, and get all tangled up in sugar bushes and all that kind of stuff. That was your dream? Oh, well, that's a good dream because that's sort of what Jesus does. See, Jesus is a king, but he's also a shepherd. And Jesus goes after his sheep, and we are his sheep. Did you know that? Are you a sheep? Yes, you are. You know you're a sheep. We're all sheep. Remember, we used to sing that song, right? We're not going to sing it right now, but... Um, we are the sheep, and we are all over the place. And sometimes we listen to our shepherd, and sometimes we don't. Right, sometimes we get crazy, and like that little black sheep that got lost, we wander away. And Jesus has to come with his crown and his shepherd's crook and pull us back into the fold. Now, Yeah, no, I don't think they want to be dead, but sometimes that happens. But Jesus doesn't want that to happen. But a shepherd also kind of sleeps with his sheep. He kind of makes the doorway to the sheep pen, so that in case a, a wolf or something comes and wants to take the sheep away, he's right there to protect them. Can you see King Charles slaying in the mud? Mm -mm, I can't either. I can't see any king wanting to do that. That's why he hires shepherds. Right. Well, in the Bible today, our scripture reading from Ezekiel describes Jesus as the shepherd king. He is a king, but he's also a shepherd who takes care of his sheep. He binds them up when they're sick, um, finds them when they're lost. And then our Matthew one talks about us still being sheep, but what, is, what are we supposed to do as sheep? Wander off and be lost? No. No? What are we supposed to do? with our family and do what what does it tell us it says when i was sick you came to visit when i was in prison when i was thirsty when i was hungry i'll hold this because this is big you can wear the crown um, so he wants us his sheep to do all these things for each other because when we do those things when we visit the sick when we give food to the hungry, when we give drink to the thirsty. We're giving it to him. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to be good sheep and not play with the shepherd's crook. Save up, please. 
so that we can be the sheep of his pasture. And everyone, he wants everyone to be in his pasture. So he wants us to all tell each other about how wonderful our shepherd is. Because our shepherd isn't a mean shepherd, he's a caring shepherd who loves us. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is a king and a shepherd, that he loves us so much that he's willing to lay down his life for us when those wolves come at us, when the things that want to distract us from following his way come our way. Help us to stay true to him, to follow his voice, because the sheep knows the shepherd's voice, and we want to know his voice. So it's in his name that we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to worship you, and Lord, I pray that today you will give us a glimpse together of just what kind of king you are. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. So, I don't know if anybody here is into musicals or is older than me, which is pretty old. <laughs> Both those things. Anyway, has anyone here ever heard the or seen the musical You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown? Yeah. Anyone familiar? Okay. So there's a song in that musical that I've actually never seen it, but we had a record, so I grew up with it. Where the kids have to the Peanuts gang have to write a book report on Peter Rabbit. And Linus starts off with Peter Rabbit and then goes into this big long description of Robin Hood. And then he wraps it up and he says, uh, away they ran, just like rabbits, who run a lot. As you can tell from the story of Peter Rabbit, which this report is about. <laughs> so today's sermon is going to be a little bit like that, but hopefully, or it might feel a little bit like that. We're going to begin with Matthew 25, which Mark read for us, and we're going to end with Ezekiel 34, which Mark read for us, but then... We're going to talk about this crazy vision that Daniel had in the middle because I've been thinking about that this week and it kind of plays in. So, hopefully it really is about Jesus the King, though, the whole way through, not like Linus's book report on Peter Rabbit. The point of the sermon is, which I sometimes like to tell you in case I get on a little sidetrack or you fall asleep, I like to tell you the point at the beginning. And the point is that Jesus is king, and he is a greater king than any ruler that has ever existed or that ever will exist besides him. He is greater than any empire. We use that term here when we're talking about the forces of evil and selfishness and trying to do things ourselves apart from God. Um, we also use the, use the term chaos. He's greater than empire. He's greater than chaos. He's greater than any principality or power or any of the other analogies that we use when we're talking about evil or self-reliance without God, leaving God out. But the reason he's greater, or the reason he's greater is because he's God. The way that he's greater is completely different from any power, principality, empire, ruler, 
chaos, monster, anything, um, ever. Because he has the way of the cross. We talked about that as we were studying Philippians. What is the way of the cross? What happens? How does it go? What's that? Sacrifice. Humility. Humility. Love. What was that? Oh, love. Oh, both of you said love. Okay, resurrection. So, yes. The way of Jesus is the way of victory, but via defeat. Basically, the way of the cross looks like defeat. It kind of looks a little insane. So, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but first let's talk about goats. <laughs> there are lots of symbols in the Bible. In the parable in Matthew 25, Jesus is talking about, this is a really famous parable, about the sheep and the goats. And what do the sheep symbolize? Us. Us? What? The ones who get it. Okay. The sheep symbolize the ones who get it, and the goats symbolize... The ones who don't. Good call. <laughs> How do you get to be a sheep? Believe. Believe, get it, follow the shepherd. Okay, yes. How do you get to be a goat? Ignore. Don't ignore. Okay, so in Jesus' parable, I don't think Jesus is being... 100% close to what sheep and goats are actually like, although it is true that generally speaking, sheep follow their shepherd a little better than goats, maybe because they're not smart. <laughs> goats tend to do their own thing. Goats are not bad, evil animals in real life, and that is not Jesus' point in this parable, but in his parable, they represent people who are completely self-absorbed or greedy or power-hungry or just don't care about the other person. They are the self-made person. They, they are probably responsible. They can take care of themselves. They, themselves. They've gotten to where they are because of their hard work, and they don't need anything, but they also don't help other people who need things. The sheep, on the other hand, I don't know of any sheep that actually help each other out, but in Jesus' parable, they do. They sacrifice for each other, they think of others, they put others' needs first, they don't evaluate who deserves this and who doesn't, they help people in the name of Jesus as if they were helping Jesus. They essentially see Jesus in other people. <clears throat> Goats in this parable are, both, both of these animals are farm animals. They can do some damage, but not a ton of damage. But goats are maybe in this imaginary ish world that Jesus is painting, they are farm animals who have decided to get in league with something a little more powerful, like maybe a dragon. Okay, 
So dragons are in the Bible. Did you know that? Um, this is not me coming up with, like, Paul and I, you know, we like to watch sci-fi fantasy. This isn't me referring to some sci-fi fantasy thing that we've watched that I'm just kind of pulling into the sermon for whatever reason. This is actually stuff in the Bible. Advent is next week, and today we're talking about what kind of king we're waiting for. Advent means waiting, and, we're, and we'll be talking about waiting for Jesus' first coming and his second coming. And this week we're talking about what kind of king are we waiting for. We're waiting for a dragon-slaying king. This world is full of dragons. We need to get rid of the dragons. Sometimes the dragons are just things in our own life that are hanging us up, that forces that feel like they're out to get us. Sometimes they are big things like the war in Ukraine or the war in Israel or racism in this country or there's... Uh, we could have a whole sermon where I list that are dragons. We don't want to do that. Um, dragons are another way of talking about empire or principalities and powers. They are, um, in the Bible, they symbolize forces of chaos, forces of destruction, forces of death. And it is clear that Jesus is the one who is going to bring order into this chaos. But he's not going to slay the dragons the way we maybe think. <laughs> Shepherds are tough, and they sacrifice for their flocks, and they sometimes have to do some killing, but they are not killers in the way that you might have to be if you were fighting in an army. Our shepherd, our king is more of a shepherd than a boss. So in our passages today, there are no dragons, but in the Daniel passage, there are. That's why there are dragons in the sermon, because I've been thinking about this. Um, the Bible Project, which Paul uses for our adult Sunday school class, um, they have a podcast, and I've been listening to bits and pieces of their podcast recently, and they're focusing on the chaos dragon, or chaos monsters. And so, because I've been listening to that, and I've also been sort of paying attention to the news, you don't even have to pay attention to the news that much to see that there are kings and rulers and principalities out there who are dragonish. The temptation for God's people, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament and now, is to want a king like the other nations. This is what the Israelites wanted back in the time of Samuel. They asked, God was their king, and they wanted a king like the other nations. And we still have people, even... Some of us sometimes, we think we want a king like the other nations to get rid of all this evil that we see around us. But what we mean in the back of our minds a lot of times is not like the kings of the other nations, not different, but better. And by better, we sometimes mean more dragonish. This is what we see. Forget the... Forget Israel and forget Ukraine right now. There is religious nationalism. Actually, this is part of the problem in Ukraine. Religious nationalism happening around the world. And it sounds 
really godly because it sounds like people are saying, we want God, we don't want these human rulers anymore. We want God to be our ruler. But unfortunately, most of the people, no matter what country it is, who try to combine their politics and their religion are actually trying, they're not trying to bring their nation under God, they're trying to bring God under their nation and make God, use God for their own purposes. In a way that sounds godly, but that is completely in contrast to God's true character. God, here's the thing, God is so powerful, he can slay a dragon without getting into a fight. God's way is the way of Jesus, and the way of Jesus is the way of the cross. And the way of the cross looks ridiculously crazy because it looks like losing. More than a year ago, like maybe two years ago, we talked about the temple, and we talked about how God created loving order out of chaos, the chaos of nothingness, and he intended human beings to represent him by bringing more and more of his loving order into the chaos of creation. The Bible depicts the chaos and destruction, the unbeing that God and his representatives work to overcome in symbols like dragons and serpents and animals of prey. And so when I was listening to the Bible Project this week, they were talking about Daniel chapter 7, where Daniel has this vision and these four monsters come out of the sea, and they, they kind of look like animals, but they kind of don't. Um, and there were three things that, no, two things, sorry, that I, <laughs> I never noticed about the book of Daniel that the Bible Project guys pointed out. The first thing is, Daniel and his three friends come from the line of David. David is the shepherd king, the original shepherd king. David is also the king from whom the Messiah is supposed to come, and did. The whole book of Daniel, this is the other thing I never noticed, the whole book of Daniel is story after story of people being confronted by chaos and evil and destruction of the people of God and triumphing over it by following the way of the cross, really, submitting to it. You have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They fight the evil by not bowing down and worshiping a statue that isn't God. And they get thrown into a fiery furnace. But God brings them out. They don't have to fight. Daniel prays. Some guys make a rule that nobody can pray to any god but the king. Daniel's not going to pray to the king. Daniel gets thrown into a lion's den. Daniel comes back out alive. Daniel doesn't have to fight. In Daniel's vision in, in Daniel 7, there are these monsters, and then the king, who is one like a son of man, shows up. He's the, most, he's the ultimate, most glorious, most powerful king there is. He can defeat the most monstrous monster which there is in this vision, this metal thing. The most chaotic chaos, and he does it in a way that no one would expect, even in this vision. In Morning Quiet, we were talking about how the Israelites in the Old Testament have so many passages about God as a warrior overthrowing enemies. 
And that was what they expected of Jesus when Jesus showed up. I think a lot of times we think about that, about the Old Testament people and about the people that were alive in the time of Jesus, but I don't think we always pay attention to the fact that we sometimes expect the same thing. We're waiting for Jesus to come back. And we still want somebody who's going to smash the heads of our enemies. And Genesis 3 says that the Messiah will crush the serpent or the dragon's head. But he didn't do it the first time the way anyone expected. And so I think we need to consider that maybe the second time he won't do it the way we expect either. In the podcast I was listening to, Tim Mackey and John, whose last name I forget, pointed out that in Daniel 7, Daniel has this vision of these four monsters, and then the the Son of Man shows up, and all the monsters are defeated, but there isn't even a fight. This is also true in Revelation when you read about the Battle of Armageddon. It's called the Battle of Armageddon. There's not a battle. All the soldiers and the powers and the principalities and everybody line up and they're ready to do battle and then there isn't one. The monsters in Daniel are just destroyed or they lose their power and ultimately they disappear. This is what it says in Daniel 7, 11, and 12. Daniel says, I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beast, that was the worst beast, the other beast had been stripped of their authority, they were allowed to live for a period of time. But they didn't have any power left. Then he says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worship him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And then a few verses later, as I watched, this horn, which was representing one of these powerful beings, was waging war against the holy people and defeating them until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the Most High, and the time came when they possessed the kingdom. He will speak against, this horn will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into the dragon's hands. It doesn't say dragon, but for a time, times, and half a time. But the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. God's people in the Old Testament had passages of God's power and glory and triumph, and all of those passages are true. God's people in the New Testament, and ever since then, including right now, have all those Old Testament passages and some more. And those passages are true too. God defends his people. This is something we can be sure of. 
God will one day completely destroy evil because he is just. But he will do it not by joining evil in its violence, in its techniques, in its way. Not returning evil for evil, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, but overcoming evil with good. Amen. And the good is Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Messiah, is King, and he conquered death, but he did so by making it look like he lost. He got swallowed up by the dragon. He got conquered by death by dying gently and decisively, unexpectedly overthrowing sin and death from the inside. It's like he got swallowed up by the dragon, and then he cut his way out and made a way for all of us. But if we are his people and we are following him, we are following the way of the cross too. So we should not be surprised when we encounter the dragon. We just can keep following him. We do not have to fight it in the same way. I didn't write this in here, but... I was talking to one of you last week. You were dealing with something that was kind of, this isn't a cosmic thing, but it was a real thing, and it was a difficult thing, and you were struggling. And you were trying to make a decision, what does God want you to do? And the situation was really hard. And then I saw you two days later, and you were like, it's all better. I didn't even do anything. <laughs> I just turned it over to God, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and, and it's so much better. The number of times I have had that happen in my life, too, is crazy. God will stand up for his people, and we do not have to be afraid, and we do not have to fight. We just have to trust him and keep on following him all the way to the cross and back out. God's people in the Old Testament and God's people in the New Testament we and God's people now, we have had those passages of God as a warrior, but we also have always had scripture which shows that God is not a king like the other nations. He never has been. He never wanted to be. He does not need the power of dragons. He has his own. And it is so much greater. He is the shepherd king. As we enter Advent, as we celebrate this time of waiting, the waiting of God's people for the Messiah before Jesus came the first time, and we are still waiting, looking forward to Jesus coming a second time, let's make sure that we are looking for the right And we do that by following him, by continuing to meet together and belong together and look after each other as if each other is Jesus. Getting to know what Jesus is like, because we have a king who is not like any other king. He is a life-giving king. He's a compassionate king. He's a humble king. He's a shepherd king who will deal decisively with the dragons and the monsters and the goats he will provide his people with more than enough. 
He will provide his people with goodness and truth and beauty. And he will gather us all together in our own place of peace. So I'm going to close this. I'm not going to explain the Ezekiel passage. I'm just going to close the sermon with the Ezekiel passage. Listen to it again. Close your eyes. And as you listen, allow our shepherd king to speak his peace and reassurance and kingship over you. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the stray. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Let's sing our final hymn together. <laughs>